Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hello to our fellow royal lovers and welcome to Royally Us. I'm Christina and that is Christina Ross. Christine, how are you? I'm doing really well today. Excited for the holiday coming up. Definitely excited for this nice long weekend to stuff our face with turkey. It's going to be great. <laughs> All right, let's check in on our royal viewers and see what they had to say about last week's show. Kicking off with the Octave says, I was surprised to see Kate standing in the middle. I thought Camilla would be the one in the middle since she is the next queen consort. It was very emotional ceremony, especially when they say God save the queen. This was a of course, uh, talking about Remembrance Day and um, the line that uh, in which Kate and Camilla and uh, the Duchess of uh, Wessex was standing. Yeah, I think that that was a really interesting choice, and I'm sure it was purposeful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, we can only speculate as to why. You know, Kate is hugely popular, and the Duchess of Cornwall can, you know, some people find her still controversial, which I think is a shame. Mm-hmm. Or did they simply put it in line of, you know, one, two, three, right. rather than you know putting the main character in the middle? So I'm sure it was purposeful. Um, but who knows why? Right. Yeah. I'm sure there's always a method to the madness. So I'm sure that there was a reason why. Um, yeah. Going to life. Lil Effect says, I think the queen should retire and have fun and not work anymore in the last days of her life. She should enjoy the things she wants to do. But I feel like this is what she enjoys doing. Like she said that she was going to serve until, you know, the day she dies. And that's what she plans on doing. Right. And I do think that at this point, she only does things that she really enjoys. I think she enjoys talking to people and meeting with these organizations. And I think we've noticed a lot less, you know, engagements where it's not something that she would really, you know, have a passion for a real interest in. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with you. And the last one goes to Teresa says, what used to seem so relatable about her in light of the many untruths they have told seem phony and put on. She's talking about Megan and, you know, obviously everything that came out last week about the text messages. And I feel like some, but I feel like Megan may have lost a lot of people's trust in that whole situation. I think that there definitely is, you know, a lack of trust or a loss of trust at this Mm. point that she can hopefully regain from the people who really support her. Um, But yeah, I hope that these cases can tie up soon because so far it's only been trouble. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, let's get into our Royal Roundup and kick it off with Queen Elizabeth, who is back to business after her health scare and back sprain. Um, Prince Charles gave a little update on her health while also making a joke before she attended her great grandson's double christening. Take a look. Once you get to 95, you know, it's not quite as easy as it used to be. It's bad enough at 73. <laughs> oh, Prince Charles, always there for a little, uh, for a little joke. <laughs> I am enjoying it. <laughs> 
I know. I love that British sense of humor, <laughs> but it was nice to see her out and about. Like we said, she made an appearance at her great grandson's a joint christening, which I also I love. I think that's so cute. And she was sporting a lime green ensemble, you know, back to her bright colors and, and, and back to business. Yeah, I thought it was so sweet. So Lucas Tyndall, who is Zara Phillips, now Zara Tyndall's son, and August Brooksbanks, who's Princess Eugenie's son, they had a joint christening um, in Windsor. And I think it was so lovely to see some of the family together, especially to see the queen in attendance. Mm -hmm. It was rumored that the Cambridge family was going to join them, but we didn't see them. But interestingly, Princess Eugenie's good friend, Cressida Bonus, and her husband were in attendance. And Cressida is Prince Harry's ex. Yeah. I thought that that was a very interesting guest to have attended the event. It really is. I love how Harry stayed so close with all of his exes. Like, you know, a few of them were at his wedding. It's like that. My exes were not at my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't think my husband would have been very happy with that. <laughs> I don't think so either, but good for them that they can all ma maintain a healthy and uh, healthy relationships following a breakup. <laughs> all right. Well, days before the event, uh, Prince William and, and Duchess Kate stepped out for the annual Royal Variety performance in London. The event supports the Royal Variety charity of which the Queen is patron. The money raised from the show helps hundreds of entertainers throughout the UK who need help and assistance as a result of old age, ill health, or hard times. I mean, they look always look fantastic but I feel like she's really been bringing it lately even though she's recycling looks from her closet she looked amazing she wore rewore this beautiful green Jenny Packham gown that we had seen before and she changed the look a little bit with this really bold wild curly hair which I thought was so beautiful and really um brought out her natural curls which we don't see very often mm -hmm. and it was such a beautiful night this is always a very festive performance there's always you know holiday um colors and schemes and things because it airs around christmas time and so it was so much fun to see them dressed up again and i loved that um kate's parents and her brother and sister-in-law were there as mm -hmm. well it was a real family affair it was a family affair i love that you know you don't really see too much of her you know mingling with her own family out in public so it was nice to see them all together and, you know, there was a lot of celebrities there as well. They've been rubbing elbows with Ed Sheeran. It feels like every single week. So he's in attendance. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's always there. <laughs> he's always there. Um, but yeah, it was nice that they stepped out for a good cause. And like you said, always look fantastic. And it's nice that she always kind of recycles looks from her closet, which is so relatable to all of us. Yes, it really is. Yes. All right. Moving on to Prince Charles and Duchess Camilla, who made a royal trip to Egypt for the first time in 15 years. Now, this trip was a part of the, the royal couple's first tour since the pandemic as well. So this was a big deal. Yeah, this was really interesting. They did a royal tour of the Middle East. They visited Jordan, where they met with the uh, Jordanian royal family, who they've always been very close to. And I find that so interesting because they must be the only people in the world who can relate to their lifestyle and their circumstances, along with the other you know, members of the royal family. But I love seeing them together. You know, they seemed like old friends, which I thought was great. And then they did visit Egypt, um, where they toward, you know, major historical and cultural sites like the Alexandria Library, which I thought was a really neat thing. Um, the Duchess of Cornwall is so passionate about reading and she mm -hmm. sat at the Alexandria Library and read to a group of children, which I thought was so interesting. I mean, just very sweet, very sweet. Yeah, it was it was great. And the pictures looked um, amazing, too. You know, definitely a, a bucket list place to go to. Absolutely. It was so beautiful. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, while Charles was traveling, Prince Harry is gearing up for his second American Thanksgiving while making an appearance on the Ellen DeGeneres show. A surprise appearance. Meghan Markle spilled on their plans. So take a look at this. 
Thanksgiving dinner, who yes. will you cook? Because yes. I know you do like to cook. I love to cook. Okay. I love to cook and we'll be home and just sort of relax and settle in. It's our second Thanksgiving at home in California. So it'll be nice. Yeah. It'll be really nice. That's, um, what time should we show up? Because I didn't, I didn't, we didn't talk about that. Whatever time you want. Okay. Come on over. All right. Probably early, like seven-ish p.m. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it seems like they're going to have a pretty normal, low-key Thanksgiving. I know. I love that. Megan must be so happy to share these traditions, especially with her little ones, but also with Prince Harry. But I do wonder what Harry thinks of some of our traditions. You know, is he watching the turkey pardoning and thinking... You people are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, totally. And the Thanksgiving Day Parade, you know, all these. Right. right. So, he's, I mean, he's probably like, what? what is this? Right. So definitely, sure definitely having fun. Yeah, definitely not the norm. But, um, yeah. you know, like they like she said, you know, they're kind of creating new traditions together as a family. It's their second one here. So um, I'm sure they're going to have a really nice time together. And she loves to cook. So I would imagine she's probably whipping up a, a great Thanksgiving meal. I'm sure it'll be delicious. Definitely. All right. Well, now it is time to spill the royalty. And to help us do that is Royal Expert and our Royally Us friend, Jonathan Sacerdoti. Jonathan, welcome to Royally Us. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Great to be with you again, as ever. All right. Well, let's get right to this story because I love this story because you brought it to our attention that the Queen may have a secret Facebook account. Is this right? That's right. There have been reports that the Queen has a secret Facebook account, which I can't quite believe. She is, remember, 95 years old. Uh, so I have trouble sometimes with new technology, but the Queen <laughs> seems completely able to pick these things up. We, we saw her during lockdown with all the Zoom calls and the video calls. And now since her health's been not quite as good as it was in the past, she's been doing more that way. And now we find out about the Facebook account. Um, it's extraordinary to think how readily and easily she picks up these new technologies. Right. And this isn't the first time that uh, a royal member of the family has had a secret Facebook account or Instagram account, right? No, that's absolutely right. I mean, we don't know the Queen's pseudonym here, and we also don't know how many friends she has. She hasn't yet accepted my request. Mm -hmm. But we also know that in that book about Meghan and Harry, Omid Scobie wrote that Harry had a secret Instagram account with the username Spiky Mouse, which was uh, deleted shortly afterwards, I believe. But we know that Meghan apparently uh, started following that Instagram account just around the time they started dating. But of course, even those watching her account then wouldn't have known that it was Prince Harry. Mm -hmm. And apparently that pseudonym that he used was a mixture of the Facebook name he used. He had an alias on there, Spike Wells, and his favorite DJ, Deadmau5. So that's a bit of uh, royal info that uh, not only the uh, Prince Harry has a secret account, but maybe even Her Majesty the Queen. I love that so much. That is my favorite. And, you know, we also have some information about who the queen speaks to the most. Right. And I think it's her daughter, Princess Anne. Right. Yeah. Apparently the queen has two people who she speaks to the most on her phones. And she also apparently has a mobile phone, which is said to be a Samsung, which is packed with anti-hacker encryption um, by MI6 so that nobody can hack into her phone. But the two people she phones the most are said to be her daughter, Princess Anne, and her racing manager, John Warren. He's the son-in-law of the Queen's friend, the late Earl of Carnarvon. Uh, and his home is uh, or was Highclere Castle in Berkshire, which viewers of TV may know better as Downton Abbey. So this is apparently who can get through to the Queen from anywhere in the world. Uh, if he calls, she answers. 
I love that so much. All right. Well, then moving on, there are some that reports that when Duchess Gate and Prince William come to the United States next year for the Earthshot Prize Awards, they will stay with Prince Harry and Duchess Meghan. Do we think this is actually going to happen? <laughs> I, I do think it probably depends on where the awards are being held for sure. Um, but I do. I'm sure that just like anyone else, staying with your in-laws is always an experience, which we're all going to find out this week during you know the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And who knows? I don't know if this would help their rift, not help the rift. But I mean, I feel like they could probably manage to not crash on somebody's couch and um, probably find their own <laughs> place to stay. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> you know, it's like it's like so many of these things like it's it's a sort of lose-lose situation if they get invited and they decline it seems petty and nasty and if they don't get invited it seems petty and nasty mm -hmm. from the other side and if they do accept such an invitation and something goes terribly wrong that seems like a bad idea i can't quite see how this would work yeah no and you're so right i know i'm at Imagining them you know checking into a hotel two days later just wouldn't be good for the headlines <laughs> No, you're so right. It is a lose-lose situation. You can't, you, you know, there's, yeah, like you said, the headlines wouldn't be good if they stayed there, if they not stayed there. So who knows? Maybe they'll have the, the awards in New York and they'll kind of avoid all of this. <laughs> all right. Well, now it is time to break down the royal rules. And there is this new explosive documentary that aired this week on the BBC, The Princes and the Press. I know, Jonathan, you watched this documentary. What did we learn? Um, was there anything new? And, uh, you know, what is kind of their relationship with the press like? Not so good, as we know. <laughs> right. So I did watch the documentary, the first part, which was on and on the BBC here in the UK. And it was uh, certainly interesting. But I think for keen royal watchers, there wasn't a lot in there that was actually new. It was more mm -hmm. of a compilation of of the story and a retelling of the relationship between the princes and the media uh, by the BBC's media editor, Amal Rajan. Um, what was controversial here about it was the palace were apparently really upset that they mm -hmm. weren't allowed to see it before it went out. Uh, the BBC were very specific that they did offer the palace a right of reply. And at the end of it, there was a written statement that was read out. But that seemed to be it. And on the other hand, it told the story of how Princes William and Harry really have manoeuvred their relations with the press over time. You remember that Diana, of course, had a bit of a love-hate relationship with the press. And then, of course, because of the tragic death of Diana during their childhood, and indeed the picking apart of her and Prince Charles's marriage, the media was something that I think those two boys found extremely difficult to live with. And yet, because of their position, they grew up really in the media glare. So it, it, the documentary really dug into that and looked at the idea of there being a bit of a deal between the royal family and the media and how that deal is balanced. And, and really it was suggesting, not so controversially, I guess, that the deal is such that these people live at great expense uh, to, uh, to the, the country and, and in great luxury. Mm -hmm. And in return, they sort of feed the media machine. But there's always a balance between how much the media will criticize and dig at them and sort of publish these scurrilous stories or probe into their private lives uh, and how much they will be given by the royal family to stop them venturing too deeply into nooks and crannies that they aren't meant to. Mm -hmm. And I think um, it was interesting in that respect. And there were certainly a few 
quite controversial claims in there. There was a claim by Omid Scobie um, saying that the negative stories about Harry and Meghan had been briefed to the press by other royal households. Mm -hmm. There was also an interview with Meghan's lawyer, apparently with Meghan's permission. And she said, surprise, surprise, that the stories about Meghan being very hard to work for or get on with within the royal family were false. Mm -hmm. um, though I suspect uh, if your lawyer said the opposite of that, you might fire them. <laughs> right. uh, so there was definitely <laughs> some, some interest in what she had to say as well. Mm -hmm. It sounds like such an interesting documentary. I'd really like to see it because I think that the relationship between the royal family and the press has become um, a great matter of public interest as we've seen it, uh, you know, evolve with Harry and Meghan. And I think that their relationship with the press, unfortunately, has really shined a light on that complex love-hate relationship where you have to feed the press or else, mm -hmm. you know, what are the repercussions for that? And it's really, you know, shown the public, I think, in a greater light, how complicated that relationship can be. And I think one of the other interesting aspects of it was um, the discussion it had of, of how the royal households seem sometimes to compete with each other for positive press or press attention. So there was one example in there about when Prince Charles was on a royal tour in Oman and he was upstaged, according to the documentary, by Prince Harry releasing a statement about how badly the press was treating Meghan Markle at the time, his girlfriend. And they say that, you know, traditionally, the royal households coordinated so that if one of them was doing something like a royal tour, nobody else would announce something big that would knock them off the front page. But in that case, uh, they had interviews saying that, you know, despite promising Prince Charles a splash on the front page, the journalists then found that their story was bumped and he was annoyed by that because mm -hmm. Harry had released this bombshell criticism of the media. And so it was, it was also interesting in the respect that it gave an idea that maybe the royal households aren't always acting in perfect synchronicity and sometimes they're competing with each other and, and getting on each other's nerves, winding each other up or uh, shadowing over each other's uh, PR plans. And that's definitely something that I think was interesting to see in that documentary mm -hmm. because it also interviewed lots of royal editors, lots of royal correspondents. Of course, they didn't give away too much about their sources for the more interesting stories, but they did discuss the ins and outs of how it works being a royal reporter. Yeah, it's almost like they're fighting with each other through uh, headlines of the media, even though they say that they don't like the media, they are using it sometimes to their advantage, it seems like. Very, yeah, very I think that's that's right. And I think that everybody knows that the royal family does need and rely on the media to mm -hmm. some respect because they need public support and the public reads about them in the media. And so that means that there is a very fine balance to be struck where they have to do things that look good and they hope for good coverage of the things that they do. And they try to promote the causes that are important to them, that they think people need to hear about, see about, so for example, in their philanthropic work. But on the other hand, that means that the media are massively interested also in the soap opera side of things, you know, mm -hmm. who they're dating, for example, and before Meghan, there was Chelsea Davey and, and, mm -hmm. and they had a private investigator on the programme who said that he had actually uh, been looking deeply into her life when Prince Harry was dating her, even with interest in her medical records and her past boyfriends. And this is just somebody who was dating him, not even someone who had married into the family. He went as far as to apologise 
on the programme and the documentary for the intrusion that he had made into her private life. And he also said that the massive interest that all these private investigators and tabloids had shown in the prince's lives had effectively stolen away their childhood. Mm -hmm. And that was something he was apologetic for. But it's important to say that he's also now, despite having done all that, part of the case against some of the newspapers here in the UK, the legal case, uh, to do with phone hacking and intrusion into public people's lives. So he, of course, has his own agenda as well in that respect. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Well, Jonathan, it is always so great to get your perspective. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time and speaking with us today. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, moving on to our Royal History Moment of the Week. This week would have marked Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth's 74th wedding anniversary. I can't imagine this was an easy day for her. I know it must have been it must have been tough and emotional, but I'm sure she's relied on, you know, friends and family for support. Yeah. Um, I know last year they celebrated with a beautiful mm -hmm. photo. I think it was taken by Chris Jackson yeah. and featured that adorable card mm -hmm. made by George, Charlotte and Louis, which I just thought was lovely. And they were surrounded by other cards that were sent to them. And you can just really tell that their relationship was important to the British public. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 73 years of marriage and, you know, 74 years of marriage that's pretty incredible what a, what a so love story yeah. i know so beautiful i'm sure it was an emotional day but i hope that she was you know surrounded by loved ones definitely i'm sure she was all right well um moving on to uh our pint-sized palace we have to check in on our royal kiddos before we wrap up and we actually got a tiny tiny glimpse at archie you know from the back of his head um but you know he's definitely a redhead just like his dad I know he looks so cute and just I love kids at this age and he's out tending to his chicken at the at Archie's chick in. Yeah, um, so cute. So cute. <laughs> which I just thought was so precious. And he just must be having the most incredible childhood. You know, yeah. I think they're really giving him amazing experiences. Right. And it seems like he's doing well being a big brother, even though it was a bit of tra a, a, tra a bit of a transition, which I know you and I can both relate to yes. just having little ones as <laughs> yes. well. So, you know, you know, preparing the older sibling is is uh, no easy feat as well. No. But yeah, it's it's such a transition. I loved that quote that Megan said about one child is a hobby and two is a parenting. And that was very relatable for a lot of us who've gone through that transition. Oh, 100% and still going through it every single day. It's, it doesn't yes. get easier, <laughs> but a lot of fun. So it seems like they, yeah, like Definitely. you said, they're creating some beautiful memories here in California and they, she seems really happy. So good for them. Yes, I agree. Definitely. Uh, I hope they are happy and settled in their new life. Definitely. Well, Christine, thank you so much for running down all things Royals with me. As always, I hope you and your family have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you. You too. I hope it's full of good food and comfy pants. <laughs> yes, exactly. Definitely. And to all of our viewers as well, if you're celebrating, have a very happy Thanksgiving and we will see you guys next week. Keep commenting, keep subscribing and head on over to usmagazine.com for all of your Royal news. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, They'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.